Welcome to In Case You Get Hit by a Podcast. I'm Abby Schneiderman. And I'm Gene Newman. Today, we're talking about power of attorney. Gene, explain what a power of attorney is. Okay, here we go. Bad things happen to everyone because it's just an unfortunate truth of life. We know that. But even in the direst of situations, bills still need to get paid and legal matters addressed. So your power of attorney, or POA, if you're cool, is a person who get, who's given legal the legal right to handle all of your financial and legal matters if you're unable to do them yourself. It's often when you have a severe injury, incapacitation, or mental incompetence. And this includes paying your bills, managing bank accounts, overseeing investments, signing contracts. They can represent you in court or any legal matters and preparing and filing tax returns on your behalf. This is something you do usually when you're doing other estate planning, but you definitely, we've talked in the past about advanced directives, which is medical, making decisions about your medical care. This is for all your financial and it's primarily financial. There's legal stuff involved, but it's primarily financial stuff, accessing your bank accounts, paying your mortgage if you're unable to for that time period, uh, signing contracts if you can't, you know, making is, those types of decisions. Is anybody all like automatically your POA, if you're married, for example, is your mm-hmm. spouse automatically your POA or do you actually need to specify somebody to be the power of attorney? Oh, you got to specify because the the reality is other people can come in. Let's say you have kids. Let's say, okay, a spouse usually is the default one, but you'd have to actually get the rights to access these accounts and make those decisions. Because let's say, okay, you have young children right now, but let's say 20 years from now, you know, you're still married, you're dealing with stuff. But what if one of your kids was like, I want to make these decisions. It's up to me. I should do that. And then the other kid's like, no, I want to do it. And now they're fighting it out. Maybe your husband's still around and he's like, no, I'm fine to do this. So all of a sudden you got people kind of fighting over who should be making your decisions. Odds are the court would side with your husband if he's of sound mind. But again, you'd have to go to court. You'd have to go through all these steps and name a conservator or guardianship. And that becomes a process that you could avoid if right now you were to say, I'm going to name this person that I trust. And usually when you're going through the form, there's a lot of details in there. It's kind of one of those, you could go specifically through everything, but most people with a spouse, you just check all, you say, yes, they have access to all these things. But if you're getting more specific about one type of thing, like, okay, this person can only pay a bill this way. This person could only access this account under these circumstances. You can get extremely specific, but most people like us would just say, yeah, that person we name full access. Don't worry about it. Right. So then you have to think about, well, who yep. would be the right person to name as as your power of attorney? And obviously, you're going to want that person to be detail oriented, be able mm-hmm. to you know handle this duty um, in the first place. Right. So they're going to need to understand what they're supposed to do. And they're, they should probably be somebody who's willing to do this. And no, so, so not only do they need to know that you've named them, but they need to say that they're, they're willing to take on um, the job in case they get that job. Hopefully they won't. Um, so ideally it's somebody who has some understanding of finances um, and, and probably needs to be somebody who's going to be good at collaborating with, with others like attorneys or accountants or, or anyone else that they're going to have to deal with. And another reason that's important, Abby, is 
that person could be the gatekeeper to all the finances for an entire family. So if people are now coming to that person and saying, okay, I need to get this, you need to help me this, you are going to have to make those decisions. And it might not be pleasant if the person is expecting certain payoffs, if they're expecting, oh, dad always pays my rent. And you're like, no, why? I'm not doing that. That's crazy. So all of a sudden you have to fall into this place, which might seem like a fun, I got control over everything, but think about you paying your own bills and your own mortgages and your own insurances. It's not fun. So having to do it for someone else with also this monitoring fear that if you do something wrong, other people are going to be affected by it. Totally. I, I mean, hundred percent. I, I, I have friends who are um, the power of attorney in their family for let's say an aging parent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, one friend in particular that I'm thinking of, I know he's had huge fights with his siblings because you know, they're, they're trying to deal with whatever it is having to do with, um, you know, financial situations. And now he's the gatekeeper. He's the one who's making all the decisions. He's the one getting, you know, getting in trouble by his siblings for the decisions that he's making it when in fact, it's really just the decisions that the parent had, um, you know, entrusted him to make. Yeah. And that, and that gets to, so there's three types that are usually, and I'll say they're durable springing and non-durable. So we'll go through each one individually to understand it. But usually the difference in these this trio is when they go into effect. So Abby, if you want to take durable to start with, this is the one most people get. Right. This is so durable power of attorney um, is this goes into effect the moment the paperwork is signed. And then it stays in effect, even if you're deemed mentally incompetent. So however, uh, you know, as long as you're deemed competent, you can change it at any time. Correct. And so um, that's, that's durable power of attorney. Yeah. And that's the one most people, if you're doing it with your family, it's someone you trust, someone you know is going to look out for you. Again, a lot of times it's spouse. A lot of times it's someone that you'd rely on, that you'd give access anyway to be able to access these accounts. Springing is, it's like a durable, but it kicks in or springs into action if you become seriously ill or injured. And one way we explain in the book is someone with a durable power of attorney, they can go to the bank right now and legally take out money because you're too lazy to make the trip. But a springing power of attorney can only do it if you're in a coma. So that's when something happens. Again, usually it's mental incompetence. Someone can't make decisions for themselves. It'll kick in. Right. But so why do people, why do, why are you saying that most people then choose durable over springing? Because a lot of times it's the per- when you choose someone, you know who you're going to choose. You know you trust them with that, and you're not really worried about the eventuality. With springing, you're kind of saying, look, I don't want anyone to be able to do anything at any time until a doctor or someone says, I can't do it myself. It gives you more control. A lot of people might be that way. And the dynamics, as we know, families, they don't often get along, and they might be worried that if I put this in place right now, this person might take advantage in a way, but if I'm unable right. to do it, I have no one else to name. So this person, I want to make sure that it only acts in that regard. So if you name a durable power of attorney, the person could theoretically act as your power of attorney tomorrow, yep. even if you don't need them to. Yep. They could they could they could kick in. And we'll get into how this isn't such a blank check that most people think it is which is one of the misconceptions where that we'll get into in, in a moment. But there was one other kind. It's non-durable, Abby. And if you just want to go through that, just to say that type, which 
people might right. need. So, so non-durable power of attorney versus durable, but mm-hmm. non-durable power of attorney is used when you need someone to take care of, of a specific financial or legal goal and it expires if or when you're declared mentally incompetent. Like if, for example, you're out of the country and you need someone to sign a contract or, or close on a house, um, it's, it's not for an everyday occurrence, but, um, but, you know, but, but that's what it is. And that's another thing that sometimes with financial advisors, you'll give them a specific, you're not giving them the keys to the whole kingdom, but you're saying, yeah, you could file my taxes. You could make these trades on my behalf. So those are types where they need access in some ways that you might want to do it for that. But it's also one of those things that will not last forever. And if you are, you notice it's the, what you said was interesting. It's the opposite of it kicks in and stays in no matter what. This is the opposite, which is the moment you are deemed incompetent, no more. And and another misconception some people think is this is something that takes on after death. A POA is only in effect while you're alive. I mean, the moment a person dies, the power dies with them. And at that point, the person you named as an executor of your estate and your will, they take over the decision. So if someone went into a bank and said, I'm the power of attorney, this person died, and they're going to say, well, okay, you're no longer power of attorney. It only is in effect when the person that you're representing is still alive. So and what happens if I have a non-durable power of attorney and I've named my financial advisor, let's say, as my uh, non-durable power of attorney, but then I am declared mentally incompetent, then what happens? They, they won't be able to do anything on their behalf. They couldn't take money or transfer or do anything. But who, that- so do I need two? For that, usually for a non-durable, you'd fill it out for a specific event. You're like, look, I'm closing on this house. This is something. And again, we say this later, but they're not expensive. You can get one online for like $15. Like doing power of attorney, it's not one of these massive, expensive legal documents because a lot of times you might need it for one specific event. Uh, That could be a stock trade. And they said, okay, you're going to have to do this for me because you're my person, but you cannot do anything beyond that. You can't now, you don't own my home, for example. You can't go through my finances and take money out of my account, but you can do this one specific thing. So that's when non-durable, it just means that it's not really as, as strong or right. as to withstand as those other things. It's long-lasting. It's long-lasting. Right. Exactly. Yep. Right there. Mm-hmm. Durable, strong. <laughs> non-durable, eh. So that's, that's how it is. And here's an interesting thing that we talked about with uh, our other co-author, Adam. I remember a couple weeks ago where people think it's... It, We've been led to believe that a power of attorney, it's like on TV where it's like you flash a badge and you get full access. Like I walk into like, you know, Citibank. I'm like, I'm Abby's power of attorney. Give me it all. And they're like, go right ahead to the vault, Gene. You know, it's not like that. And people find out afterwards it's a bit more effort and it can be frustrating. And especially if the person you're representing might not be in the same, the right state of mind at that time. Because it becomes somewhat of a catch-22 where the person you're representing, you kind of need their help to have them tell the bank, by the way, this person's legit and on the level. Without that person around, you kind of have to prove it. This podcast is brought to you by Everplans, the company that helps you get your life organized and keep it that way. Through Everplans expert content and app, you're able to organize everything from your Wi-Fi password to how you pay your mortgage, from health insurance details to when your pet's vaccines are due. Download the free iOS app today to get started or visit www.everplans.com to learn more. 
Right. Well, that's one thing you can do to make sure that the power of attorney does get access um, with as little friction as possible. Um, you can contact your primary bank or financial institution, um, credit card companies, insurance companies, um, investment uh, broker, et cetera, and let them know who you named as the power of attorney. You could even give them a copy of your document. And, uh, you know, it it will definitely make it a bit easier on the person that you named, hopefully. Hopefully they'll, they'll have some sort of record that you actually named this person. And... Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, the power of attorney should also be prepared to provide in the event that they need to actually step into their role as much information as the financial or legal institution requires. And so they should have on hand an official copy of the power of attorney document, but make sure that they have, you know, they're going to be asked to show ID or some other, um, probably what, what else could there be, Gene, besides yeah, they- ID? A lot of times it's it's the proof that they're part of that. And it depends also on the organization. Some places might not be as stringent where you're not making a huge deal. If they're like, you're paying off a mortgage, they're like, okay, we want you to continue paying this mortgage. So we're not really going to fight you. If you're going to give us that money, we're going to take it at face. If you're taking assets out, that's when they're a little more guarded. And you might even need to provide proof, like from a medical professional, where you have to prove that the person you're representing is unable to complete these tasks and it requires your assistance. And it could be, again, a note from a doctor. You might have to show some further proof, but they could put you through some paces that could make you uncomfortable if you think that this document alone is just, again, the keys to the kingdom. Totally. And one of these things too is it might seem kind of extra that you'd have to go through these steps, but it really, it's in place like most security measures to fight fraud and elder abuse. And it shouldn't dissuade you though, from creating one and naming a person you trust, because it's always better to have this and not need it than to need it and not have it. Totally. And I, I think that a good idea for people to think about is after you name the power of attorney, take a video of yourself talking about, if you can, talking about who you named and why you named them, just so there's some record of kind of your, I don't know, your your choice. And, and I think it could go a long way, especially if there's like sibling rivalry, you know. That's, that's a great idea. Out. It's a great idea too, because a lot of times when you're asked for this proof, like there aren't, there's rules in place, but you know, if you, I'm sure Abby, when you're talking on customer service, you get the right person on the phone, you're going to get what you're looking for. And something like this could be the proof where they think, okay, not only does Abby have the paperwork and proves that it's Abby and this relation with this person, but also there's a video that she has of this person. So if something was wrong, we'd be able to say, well, we were provided every possible bit of information that this was on the level. Right. And that way it won't be considered, uh, you could hopefully go about doing your job as possible. But here's another thing that people often ask us, like, how do you get it and where should you keep it? So Abby, how would you get one of these? It's really easy. I mean, online, you can get it online. You can go to any online legal forms provider, um, complete it there. You can do it in just a few minutes. It's probably less than, you know, 50 or $75. You could obviously go to an attorney um, you can find an estate attorney who can help you create it. This is obviously going to be more expensive than doing, you know, online, but probably by not that much. And 
and then of course, if you're going to be going to all of these lengths, you um, probably should think about getting a will at the same time and an advanced directive, possibly even a trust. So definitely don't stop with power of attorney. But if you do stop with power of attorney, at least you got one step, you know, in. <laughs> yes, that's true. And if you have to get it notarized, which a lot of times you want this notarized, uh, it can be completed through an online legal service, a uh, local bank, sometimes post office, or by if you, by the attorney that provided you it if you go that route. And another question, Abby, once you completed it, where should you store it? Where do you keep this document? Well, obviously, you should keep it in Everplans, but um, no, in, in all seriousness, you you it shouldn't be out in the open, but it should be somewhere that's accessible. Keep it with your other important documents. Wherever you keep important documents, keep your power of attorney. And you should also have the person that you named keep it safe, too, so that, um, A, they they make sure that you they know you you named them as the power of attorney, but also that when they do need to use it or if they need to use it, that they have access to it. Mm -hmm. And if you create it with an attorney, a lot of times they could be on file, but make sure the person you named can contact, knows who to contact uh, the, so they can get access to it. And like Abby mentioned, uh, just hinted at, uh, you should keep a digital copy in an online vault somewhere. And you know, of course, we're going to say Everplans. Uh, but that location is like, what is the document? So you know exactly the document type that you have. So you don't have versioning issues. This is the one and where the physical location is, which could be above. Like I keep it in a filing cabinet here. I It's with my this person who's my power of attorney who also serves in these other capacities. And that way you could also share it with that person so it doesn't you know become lost. This isn't a document you think of every day, but when you need it, you're going to want to be able to find it as fast as possible. Oh, and do not put it in a safe deposit box or a place that requires um, some sort of authorization to get access to it. Because if you have this, you know, if you need to gain access and and you can't because it's locked, then you won't be able to get it. Yeah, that's true. We said the catch 22 we mentioned in the book is if someone's an executor in a will uh, to open up a safe deposit box, but the wills in the safe deposit box, you have to go through all these steps to prove that you're the executor just to gain access to these, to this safe deposit box. But wait, Gene, I have a question that mm -hmm. I want you to answer. So, because we get asked this question all the time. What happens if you don't have a power of attorney? What happens then? That's great. And you know, we always love talking about the, the, this. And one of the things, if you don't take the time to grant someone POA and something happens to you, a potential agent may be appointed by the court, either as your guardian or conservator, which can be time consuming, expensive and stressful. Plus, what if the court names someone you don't trust or even like? And we hate to always have to bring up elder abuse, but it's a real and terrible thing. It's also silent and people don't realize the extent of the physical or the financial abuse until it's too late. And you can easily avoid all of this unpleasantness by naming the right person now while you're of sound mind and body. Thank you for joining us. We obviously want to hear your thoughts and ideas. So make sure to email us at podcast at everplans.com. And don't forget to rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode.